Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You guys, have I ever told you my favorite story ever from when I taught little kids and I had my mustache and my acrylic nails and this little boy looks up at me and goes, are you a boy or a girl? Oh my God, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my God, guys. Jake has a podcast. I can't believe Jake has a podcast. Oh my God, Jake has a podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, you guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, there is a lot happening in this world right now surrounding gender, and we got to talk about it. If you're new here, you may not know that I myself identify as a non-binary person. I use he, they pronouns pretty interchangeably. So I have friends who call me he. I have friends who only refer to me as they, them. I'm totally open to any pronouns, honestly, as long as it's respectful, I really don't mind. Um, But that's not the case for all non-binary people. So it's really important that we have these discussions about language and the way that we um, refer to people because you never know like how how someone may be triggered or affected by being misgendered or being referred to as um, something other than what they identify as. But for me and on my podcast, you can use any pronouns. Oh, and also, I just want to say too, that I use the word guys as like a totally gender neutral word. Like I, people have been like, oh, it's so interesting that like you're non-binary and you, you called your podcast, oh my pod, you guys, like such like a masculine name. And I was like, wait, this is a musical theater reference. This, we're talking about Legally Blonde here. I'm not making a gender statement. Like what? You guys, that's a, that's a, a neutral, completely neutral term, in my opinion. What do you guys think? Let me know. And I also think it's super important, you guys, that we talk about the legislation coming out against the trans community. It's really scary and dangerous that a trans person could walk into a bathroom that they feel most comfortable in, and it is a literal crime. It's it's absolutely horrifying, and I think the juxtaposition of that against these beautiful, incredible steps forward and milestones within the trans community is just really confusing and hard to deal with. It's hard to accept that like people's identities and like literally their beings, their physical beings are being like outlawed. But then we're seeing like 
trans women like Kim Petras on the cover of Sports Illustrated and um, you know, like people being put on these pedestals and we see these beautiful steps forward for the trans community. But then we also see Dylan Mulvaney and how she has had to deal with the backlash of her partnership with Bud Light and like their like inability to make a statement pro or anti the trans community after they have chosen to partner with a trans woman to promote their, their business. It's just really, there's a lot going on and I would love to hear other people's opinions on this because I myself don't identify as trans, but being non-binary sort of falls under the umbrella of genderqueer. So, you know, it's all encompassing and, and very <laughs> confusing and crazy, but I'm excited to have continued conversations around gender. And with that, we got to dive into this week's Broadway World Recap. You guys, after all, the Tonys are happening. We were worried that it wasn't even going to happen at all because of the writers' strike. But the Writers Guild has agreed to allow the Tony Awards to go on unscripted, and they will not pick at the event. I'm a little on the fence about this, you guys. As much as I am excited that these people who have been nominated for Tonys get to actually experience an award ceremony and get to go, you know, many of them for the first time, I also think it's a little hard to say that we should proceed with this live broadcast when we want to stand in solidarity with the Writers Guild and, you know, SAG-AFTRA and the people who deserve to be paid for their work. I mean, it's a live show that often has written segments in it and it won't have them this time around because the writers said, you need to agree to pay us a fair wage. So it's a little confusing, but we are going to get the Tonys with the performances from the shows, which really, really helps the shows with um, promotional material and getting the word out, you know, for people who maybe only experience theater through the Tony Awards. Um, but I think it is going to be a very interesting Tony Awards, to say the least. You guys, it was also just announced that New York, New York is going to launch a North American tour in January of 2025, which is kind of far away, but I'm excited. This show is the perfect show to tour the country because people who don't necessarily have a huge frame of reference for musical theater are really going to be drawn to this show. It's a huge, flashy Susan Stroman show. It's absolutely beautiful. The music is fantastic and it's familiar. I think it's the perfect show to tour. So we will have to stay tuned to see who is going to take on those leading roles, um, especially after this Tony Awards and Colton Ryan's lead actor nomination. Because who knows, maybe Colton Ryan will do the tour after his time on Broadway. We just never know. You guys, next we have to talk about the new casting announcement for Titanic off-Broadway. I am so sad that Marla and Constantine are leaving the show, but as with every show, there is turnover and they have had their fair share of time in the spotlight and they are ready to pass it on to new people. And you guys, taking over for the role of Celine Dion is Nicole Parker, who is kind of this like unsung queen of musical theater. She was on Mad TV. She does this crazy Celine Dion impression and she's gonna kill it. I'm so excited. She also kind of looks like Marla Mandel, which is crazy. So she's gonna be fabulous. I cannot wait to see it. I mean, I've already seen the show three times, but what's the fourth? And taking over the role of Rose, 
previously played by Miss Carrie St. Louis, friend of the pod, will be Lindsay Heather Pierce, who I saw play Elphaba. She was absolutely fabulous. She just got off the tour of Mean Girls as Janice. And I think that she has not only the vocal chops, but also the comedy chops to take this role and run with it. So I'm excited for her. And also Michael Williams is going to play Jack, which is going to be so fun. Constantine Rizzuli originated this role, created the role, and he just has this incredible air about him. It's so brilliant, his performance. So I'm excited to see how Michael Williams takes on this this role. This week, we also got a first look at the photos for the new production of Brokeback Mountain, coming to Broadway, starring Lucas Hedges and Mike Feist. And while the photos look beautiful, I am a little eh about the idea of, yet again, two straight white men playing closeted gay cowboys. But I'm going to try and do my best to just take it in stride. Maybe this production will be a game changer. It will be beautiful. Obviously the story is important and should be told, but I don't know if this is exactly the way that we should go about it. Who knows? What what, what do I know? But the photos look beautiful. Gorgeous gowns. Gorgeous gowns. And lastly, you guys, we just got the casting announcement that Nicole Scherzinger is going to play Norma Desmond in the new West End production of Sunset Boulevard. You guys, uh, I am a slut for Nicole Scherzinger. I think she is so underrated. Her vocals are insane. If you haven't seen her do not only Cats, but also she sings Phantom, she's redunculous. And I think she's the perfect diva to play Norma Desmond, especially on the West End. My God, it's just going to be so good. So I cannot wait to see the promotional material. I can't wait to see the photos. And of course, the contraband videos that we will get. Maybe I just need to get on a plane and go to London and see it for my damn self. And you guys, this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh my pod, you guys. I'm so excited to introduce you to my next guest. She is a world-class Broadway dancer, singer, actor. She has played Roxy Hart in Chicago the Musical on Broadway. Please welcome my dear friend, Emma Pittman. Yay! (laughs) Thank you for coming on the pod. Thank you for thinking of me to come on the pod. Oh my God. I'm never not thinking of you. Tell me, where are you calling from? I'm tuning in from my apartment in Hell's Kitchen. Oh, Hell's Kitchen. How long have you been there? I got an excellent COVID deal at the end of 2020, I'll be honest. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. And and you've been able to maintain it through these like crazy rent yeah. uppages? So basically, when um, when we came in in December... The year came, and then by the time next December rolled around, Omicron was making her her first her first appearance, and so it was nice. It was a nice way to to keep the apartment and keep the uh, price relatively low. Fabulous, but fabulous. it's definitely is... be gonna be going up after this. <laughs> Don't I know it? Oh my god! <laughs> um, so tell me, where was home before New York City? Girly Pop Home was Mississippi. And go ahead, everybody. Spell it out. I know you want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. She's a Southern Belle. Mm-hmm. That's right. Oh, my God. And so then you attended Wagner College on Staten Island. What I was sure the pathway did. from Mississippi to coming to Wagner? It's such a 
like the story is not as grand and exciting as I would love it to be. So maybe I'll make up <laughs> a, a more dramatic story later and I'll start adding Please. it back into my bio. <laughs> yeah. But basically I grew up uh, around and in this town, Oxford, which is the town that Ole Miss is in. So it's like kind of like a big university town, especially in comparison to a lot of other smaller towns in Mississippi. And, sure. um, it's about an hour south of Memphis. So I go to Memphis all the time. That's where I would like fly in and out of. And the communities there are very like tight knit and small. And the word got around to the peoples around us that I was interested in doing theater. And it happened that a girl from Memphis, like she was, she, oh man, she must be like 10 years older than me, had gone to Wagner and was like, oh, Wagner's a great theater school. Like you should check mm. it out. Um, and so on my list of schools, which were, a three. Wagner <laughs> <laughs> so. Amazing. Did you did you audition in person? I did, yes. So my, my audition story, now that is classic. And oh, no one, we're dying to hear. No one should do what I did. Never, ever. <laughs> Whenever I, like, teach a class or hold a master class or something and people ask me about audition information, I'm always like, audition everywhere. You never know, okay? Like, you'll find mm -hmm. your home, but the only way you'll find it is if you, like, spread yourself around and, and, t and you know, test things out for yourself, too, because you might like the program here, but not the place and, like, where you are is really important so I knew I wanted to be in New York for show so mm -hmm. I only looked at NYU Marymount and um Wagner because NYU obviously everyone wants to do <laughs> and then I looked up like biggest dance studio in Manhattan for like a college or something and that was Manha uh, Marymount and then um Wagner based on a friend um on a friend recommendation and I, I visited all campuses and I was like, you know what? Wagner's campus was to me, the biggest lay. It was giving a nice in between of like hometown to city. It was the campus is beautiful, mm -hmm. very green, very fabulous. Um, and so I only auditioned there work. And that was a big mistake. No, it, was <laughs> <laughs> it worked out nicely for me because I did get in, but yeah. back, I was like, that was bold, queen. That, that was, was bold. She took a risk and it paid off, honey. Sometimes you have to. Yes, you do. I mean, I even, my, my audition for Heart was a walk-in. Like it, it was, a, you know, the biggest decision of my life. And I just happened to be like, um, I guess my mom was like, we're here, just go. We're at Unified. It's like, come on, there's an opening. And then of course it like changed my life all for the better. But that is so, you know, sometimes it's those like crazy spur of the moment things where you're like, okay, I'm going to do it. And like, I guess I'm doing this. Yeah. Like, why not? <laughs> yeah. Let's just see the worst that can happen is they say no. And that was kind of the plan anyway. Right. Like, right. I'm going to do it. So whatever. <laughs> exactly. Well, and then it like, obviously, you know, worked out for you for the best because you, Got to make your Broadway debut as Roxy Hart in Chicago. I mean, we, <laughs> we simply have to talk about your road to this show because it is completely unorthodox and absolutely insane. And you, I mean, let's just, let's just cut the shit. Oh my God. She's, for the listeners, she's holding up a picture with her next to Annie Reinking, B.B. Newarth. And Bianca Marroquin. Okay? Okay? From when, from, when she, from when she won the search for Roxy. You guys, we got to talk about it. Emma Pittman <sighs> submitted a video 
like so many thousands of people did for this online competition to see who would get the role of Roxy Hart in the revival of Chicago on Broadway. And through rounds and rounds and rounds, she she persevered and she was chosen by the queen herself, Annie Ryan King, <sighs> to do Roxy Hart. Emma, please tell me all about it. What was this experience like for you? Girly Pop, it was crazy. It was like... <laughs> When when the search idea came out and it was floating around, basically a lot of their PR team emailed a bunch of colleges and was like, hey, if you have anyone, please tell them to submit for this, right? And it got to Wagner and somehow, you know, Wag- Michelle Pock, Tony Award winning, Michelle Pock worked at Wagner College. <laughs> and she curious. forwarded the email to me and she was like, you need to do this. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I was thinking about it. I'll be honest. Because, you know, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. You know, that's always kind of going around in the head. Um, as Beyonce once said. As, as as our Lord and Savior Beyonce once said. Um, <laughs> and there was a moment after she sent it to me, I was like, wait, if she thinks, if she also thinks that, then it's like, it's not just me, like, creating this story. It's it's giving, it's giving, there's some truth it's based in. I could try it. Um, and so I was doing a show at the time and I was like, I'm just going to, I'm going to delegate you know, this much time, no more. It's giving, it was giving self-tape before self-tape era. This, this was all of 2019. <laughs> yes. So I was like, I'm going to designate, you know, three days to, to record this. And that was it. And um, I did the dance, did the singing, did the acting. And then I sent it away and I was like, okay, I'm not going to think about it anymore. That was it. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up getting the call or the email that I made top 10 on my birthday. Yes, you did. And oh, was iconic. it Paul Wontorek who called you and said... It was It was an email from the Search for Roxy team. And it was someone who is no longer a part of their PR team, but her name is Rayanne. And Rayanne, we were like, that was my girly. I was emailing her everything. I was like, what you for me? Eugenie made us on a contract. Like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Right. <laughs> um, and so I was like weeping, crying. And then from there, we got to do... It was like kind of like American Idol. You voted for your favorite top three. And, mm-hmm. um, that was when that was, that was a part that was really special to me. Cause I came up this, I came up with like an Instagram campaign that I would like post every day and try to, you know, get as much engagement as I could. And right. when I tell you Oxford and Batesville, Mississippi were popping off for me, they were like, <laughs> everyone, girly girls, let's get ourselves together. Like there was a Okay time. ladies, now let's get on the cell block. It was giving, it was. Giving, give me your email so I can put it in. Give me your email. What's your email? How many emails do you have? I'm putting it in. Like they were, there was, there was a lady who had called my Nana or something and said that she was like, yeah, I just went through the church registry and took everyone's emails. And (laughs) I was like, fears. Incredible. (laughs) Um, And that was really special because after I've gone, you know, leaving going to college and living in New York, I don't really see a lot of those people or touch base with them because I'm here. And so it was really cool to see them still like rooting for me, even from afar. It was, it was right. Of course. Um, then they chose the top three, which is me, Kate and Khalifa. And we got to go into the city and we did this like workshop moment. It was, we called it Roxy Boot Camp, And we oh, yeah. workshopped dancing with David Bushman, the dance captain on Broadway. We workshop the music with Rob Bowman, the, fabulous music director on Broadway and then we also workshopped the monologue with Benton Whitley and we were working on like with the casting team and also with um Paige Paige Page. Page Page. Okay. Um <laughs> and it was 
it was so much fun because we all, all three of us were very like, we're just, I'll never forget. We came on a Monday and we saw the show and we were sitting in the ambassador theater and we were sitting beside each other and we were like, this is all, this is all crazy, right? Like we're all aware that this, just this is enough, right? Like uh-huh. we were all in this like kind of state of disbelief that one of us was going to be up there and <sighs> It it was the the word competition was nowhere to be found. It was mm-hmm. it was like all three of us were just grateful to have been in those seats in that moment. That everything right. on top of that was just a blessing. We were like, whatever's gonna happen is so out of our hands. It's like it can go a million ways. That's why Chicago has run for twenty five plus years because absolutely anyone can play these parts. The writing is good enough to let anyone come and take a taste you know that's what makes it so delicious that's why they can toss up someone like charlotte into the role and then immediately put in pamela anderson you know like absolutely to to like to hear it is crazy but to see it is like yes this this makes sense absolutely 100 percent. and so the workshop era of that experience was super fun because we were it was very um collaborative it was very inspirational it was very celebrated and supported as well from all three of us that by the by the end we were like this is this has been special for all of us and and there's there's no way that we won't be like absolutely elated with whatever comes out of it it was right it was really special um and then the day before our audition day they like huddled us all in and we're like hello we just wanted to and they have the cameras up they're like we just wanted to like let you guys know who you're auditioning for tomorrow and i was like great let's go and i started getting a little crazy i was like why would they say that like why (laughs) like we've already met some really big people so like what is that right where where can we be going from here like we've Mm -hmm. we've already worked with the team on broadway so what do you mean by that so i'm already (laughs) like a little shake and they're like so you're you're gonna be auditioning in front of bianca bianca marikeen and we were like god absolutely and also B.B. Newworth, I'm like, okay, 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 and Anne ranking, crying, tears, sobbing, camera in my face, they're like, why are you crying? I'm like, Anne ranking, what do you mean? I mean, it's, it's insanity. It was insanity because you don't, in my like personal life opinion, like I don't dream of meeting the greats like that because they're right. at, especially at that time, I was only like a year out of college. They were very far removed from where I was in my career. Like, absolutely. I, I mean, unless I had an opportunity to work on a, like do a workshop or something with them at like steps that I could pay for, or even somewhere else, you know, like there was no other chance I was going to like work with them. Right, right. Meet Maybe them. like to meet them, sure, but like to to audition for them, to dance for them, and have them give you notes and everything. Like, no way, no way. So it was just absurd. like a world I had never imagined being in, and it was coming true. And I was like, okay, okay, I'm crying. It's fine. It's great. It's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then the next day, well, actually that night, all three of us went out to like H and M and Zara to like spice off spice up our roxy outfits it was really fun we were like (laughs) running around with our heads cut off in Times square h&m downstairs like rummaging through that spooky scary skeleton uh sale section do you know what (laughs) you've ever been to the h&m in Times square Square. (laughs) that bottom floor it's every man for himself absolutely there's there is no rhyme or reason you could lose a limb down there let's be honest Mm -hmm. it's crazy 
Um, and the next day we, we all went to the theater or, or went to the theater, went to Pearl, you know, beat face. And we got to do the dance portion first all together, which was really nice. It was like a little all skate. We were all like, we're here and we're together and we are supporting each other in the room. And then yeah. after that we did, we basically did the dance one by one. And then we came back in and did the monologue into the song one by one. And it was so much fun because it wasn't just like we went in and did it. We went in and they took a moment and we're like, okay, here's some thoughts. What about this? And when you do this thing, love this. What if it was this? Like they gave us some, some moments to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was so fun to play and, and to just be with the people who know the part the absolute most, you know, right at its absolute core. Um, mm-hmm. And to just to get to play with their um, their knowledge in moving forward with what we had already gotten the chance to create was so yeah. cool. Wow. Crazy. And then that was it. We all came back in the room, stood hand in hand and we're like crying and Annie was so, so like kind and, and supportive and like um, encouraging to all three of us. Like that was amazing. You all did an amazing job. And she just kept complimenting us on things that we, we did great. And like, mm-hmm. then she um, towards the end was like, I really want, you know, she said she went through all three of us and was like, Kate, you have an incredible voice, like a voice that is just unbeatable Khalifa you're an incredible actress like you are just so funny and and she is hilarious she's Mm -hmm. like a comedian through and through and then she said um I have this opportunity to give this part to someone who can do all three disciplines uh really well and that is why I want to give it to Emma and I was like (laughs) insanity insanity it was crazy and you can i mean it's just funny because i know you and i still like go on youtube and watch the video of them like saying that they've chosen you because it's just it's so it's so wild i mean you must feel like this sort of ownership over it or something because i mean you are quite literally the last person that ann ranking hand picked to play this role that she originated in this revival and choreographed and I mean it's just wild before she before she eventually passed like it's just it's insane what is it what does it mean to you to to take on that legacy it definitely in my moments of as we all feel in this industry my moments of imposter syndrome or days when I'm like what am I doing like there are people out there who are slaying more than me in this slaying more than in this that that to have that as an anchor is like a blessing that I can't begin to explain. You know, it's like something that I can, I can honestly say, like you said, have ownership of just feel like, no, no, she chose me like that. And I need to remind myself of that. Yes. Like, like she 100%. chose me and there, there was a reason why, even when like I came back, I, you know, post COVID and I got the chance to go on. Of course there were moments I was like, am I ready? Is this like, Right coming out of COVID, we like, we're all doing different things with our bodies. And like, I was like, am I ready for this? Like physically, right. can I do this? And there the were, stamina. I just, correct. I was like, I just have to trust that this is exactly how it was supposed to happen because mm-hmm. it's, 
it i mean in life we cannot predict anything life is definitely not fair at all but the one thing i had to hold on to was like if it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and when it happens it's gonna happen and uh, And it has for you like tenfold because not only do you play roxy when they need you to but they have also had you go in for the role of annie which is on the cell block i got to see you do it and it was so exciting i still for the listeners it's so silly because (laughs) emma and i both had these like insane weird like paths to chicago broadway but Mm -hmm. we still have never overlapped like we've both gone in and out of the show multiple times and and we still have never (laughs) it's a disgrace i'm calling the ambassador stage door and saying let us in (laughs) but yeah it's it's hilarious that we have not even crossed paths but i did get to see you play annie and it's absolutely kick ass in your ensemble track what is it like to do um to to go from playing roxy hart to then um fitting into the ensemble so so seamlessly you know it was actually when they had asked me to if i would be interested i was like um yes hello it's like every <laughs> every dancer girlie's dream who, who who has seen the show i had seen the show at a young age like maybe when i was in the eighth or ninth grade and i was like oh my god i've never seen dancing like that like that right. is that style it's just not alive in any other show on broadway or it, and it's hard to get a class in you know you have to find someone who really knows what they're talking about yes um, and it has like been indoctrined by you know the legacy um it was, it was, I was like, of course, like, I mean, Roxy is like a beautiful starring role that I believe can be played forever and ever and ever. But when it comes to like dancing in the ensemble and doing, doing the cell block and doing those moves and doing that fierce split into Billy, you know, that that's not going to be forever. Okay. This right. can't be rocking that forever. So <laughs> I was like, it would be my honor to, to learn that. And it would be, um, it would be a lot of fun because when you're <laughs> people would say, Oh, it's so easy because you just do, you know, you just do whatever Annie does. Like, and you probably know, no queen, no Roxy uh-uh. and the ensemble. You, we rarely see her really Velma sees the Roxy, uh, the Roxy, the ensemble way more like yes. Velma and the ensemble are like two peas in a pod. But mm-hmm. Roxy's kind of minding her business the whole show. So it was fun to learn the show. It almost felt like brand new. You know, it was I was in the overture all of a sudden and I got the chance to do all that jazz, which typically when you're doing your Roxy track, you're still, you know, getting your wig on and putting on right. your lipstick. Like um it was it was a lot of fun to learn what felt like the other side of the show in comparison totally. to the Roxy experience. Yeah, and like you said, I mean, you quite literally have like new traffic in on stage that you just like never would have crossed paths with these people otherwise, ever. like doing Roxy and then yeah, getting to go into the ensemble. I mean, I even just like the tiniest little example, like the difference between when I did the tour versus doing the Broadway company is that yeah. um on the tour, Mary Sunshine doesn't sit in the alleys at all. So I never got to sit and watch any of the numbers. I mean, of course, I was backstage behind the bandstand or in the wings, you know, <laughs> of course, of right? Course. Creeping, peeping Creep. through. Yes, peeping. Dancing, dancing with everybody. But uh-huh. um to actually get to sit on stage in the alley um at the ambassador and get to watch the number Roxy and then directly into Sister Act. Oh, so I can't do it alone. I mean, it was just insane. So like like those little things, like you said, it's like I, I basically got to learn this entire yeah. other show. It's oh my wild. gosh, I didn't know that about the tour. That's crazy. Yeah, it was so wild. But I mean, I just, I love this show so much and I know that you do too. And so yeah. I just think it's so special that 
we get to have these like little tastes of truly, I mean, now currently the longest running show on Broadway. Like it is, it's such a piece of New York city, the show and a, and a piece of Broadway history. And so like the fact that we have both just had this, even like the smallest taste of, absolutely. Yeah. It's just so amazing. Um, but that is not your only Broadway show because you just got cast in Back to the Future on Broadway. I'm so excited for you. What are you feeling right now? I am also feeling lots of excitement. I mean, this is the original Broadway company. And what makes it really special is it's a transfer, basically, from the West End production. So it's a cool, unique OBC experience that I'm I'm very, very excited to jump into. We we are taking a show that's already done, you know, but then creating it and making it our own at the same time. So it'll be fun to know going in, like, we have a plan. We have, especially with the tech, you know, like they have an idea of what it's supposed to look like because they've done it once before. Um, Mm -hmm. But also in that framework, there's room to grow and play and create. And I think that that was something I experienced with Chicago was like, obviously, here's the skeleton of what the track is now. How is it yours? You know, so I I love working this way. I think it's a fun way to learn and um it's gonna, I just, I'm really excited to, to create something new with a full company. Um, yeah. Because that's not In an the experience. Room. Yeah, that's not an experience that a lot of people get to have, especially when it comes to Broadway. It's like you're getting put into the show that's already been running, and there's already an established um, like vibe backstage. There's an established sense of hierarchy and relationships that have just been there because that's how long the show's been there. So mm-hmm. it's going to be really fun to create our space together like what does it look like is it fun are we gonna go out all the time afterwards is it gonna be (laughs) like work all day like I don't know but I'm excited to just to to create that because that's um it's an honor and it's it's something that people can come in and out of you know whenever the show does open totally let's take a break and when we come back I want to hear more about back to the future on broadway we're back. Okay, Emma, I have got to hear what was the audition process like for this new Broadway show, Back to the Future? So Back to the Fizzle audition process was giving <laughs> dance, 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 girly. Chris mm. Bailey is the choreographer who choreographed it on the West End. Um, and not my buzzer on my door going off. <laughs> I don't think I ordered anything, Queen. Okay. Oh, anyway. this is staying in. <laughs> Let. The New York experience. The New York life. We're getting a taste. <laughs> a little taste. Um, but Chris Bailey was running the audition, and it was, we, over the course of a week, we learned three different combos for the show. And the fun part about the dancing in the show is that it's very time period, but it has two time periods. So there are 80s numbers that are, like, really sexy and jazz and drama, and then there are these, like, more conservative but still fun and flirty 50 numbers for when we go back into the past. And yes. so it was, it was so much fun to get to play with those two styles and to really, like, give the black and white of the two because they are incredibly different like absolutely the- and i'm sure that that's honestly something that chris was looking for was like okay i need people who can do both very mm-hmm. very easily exactly it's like we have to 
we have to create the world that we're in, even though we're the same people, right? They don't have 80s people and then 50s people. It's one mm -hmm. ensemble that's going from time to time. And so we have to really take the audience on that journey um, into the past and then back into the future. Yes. Uh, so it was, it was really fierce. We started out with like a fun jazz 1950s like hangout combo. And then we did the sexy 80s number, which is... It is about the DeLorean and it's it's so funny, it's so hot. The costumes are eating like I'm I'm yes! no one's ready. No one's ready. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got the chance to do kind of like a Lindy Hop swing number, which was all of fifties, and we did lots of partnering and it was fun in that audition room to kind of lose the sense of the fact that it was an audition. Chris Bailey made such a safe space. It was like, listen, we're going to just like play today. I don't want you to be stressed. I want this to feel more like a workshop. Like I want to try these lifts. I want to see how they look. We're going to put up a combo. We're going to do it, you know, two couples at a time or whatever. And then that's it. I don't want you to think like I have to be the best. I have to nail this. Like the vibes in the room were very let's play. And that was so nice. And I feel like maybe other people can relate to this. In a post-COVID world, auditioning has felt so weird in person. Like, so bizarre. And it's everyone's on their own journey with that. Like, even the people behind the table are on their own journey, you know? Like, there are some 100%. people who are still self-taping for their lives and coming in for callbacks. Like, that's one thing. But then, like, coming in initially for in-person, you don't really know how many people have been in-person since. And, like, it's just very easy to get in your head, for sure, for us yes. and also, I think, for the team behind the table. It's just, like, we're coming back into this world that we had known so well and it feels so different. Um, that was one of the first times that I felt like, oh, yes, this is what a room feels like. This was oh, this is a nice, supportive, let's just play, let's just see what happens. No, Not no pressure, obviously, because you know that you're auditioning, but like low pressure. Yeah, like yeah. We're, here, we're here to just dance. And it was some of the best, it was some of the most fun I'd had in an audition, like ever. Wow, that's so cool. Wait, I do have to ask you though, how do you feel about partnering in dance auditions? Because I have done my fair share of partnering auditions and it is, it can run the entire gamut like yeah. it's it's all over the place it's I what have, is it like for you as a I woman like, I guess I should say yeah well I have a lot of like thoughts about it because I also do choreography and directing myself and I feel like I I try to to know as much about the people auditioning as possible like I I have not ever been in a room where I am asking people to partner because I don't know them well enough at first. And so uh -huh. I think, but in a professional setting, well, because mostly I do choreograph at Wagner or at, at, in a school situation or in a young artist's uh, you know, moment. But when mm -hmm. it comes to professionals, you there is a standard, I mean, that is kind of unsaid but low-key set that you should have some kind of partnering in your belt somehow, somewhere. Right. But in the same breath, it's like you don't know that about the person. And so mm -hmm. it is it can be very dangerous. Right. It it's a, be... like an actual safety concern. <laughs> yeah. So I I in that moment, particularly, I felt very safe because I felt that 
Chris paired us up. He didn't, he didn't let us choose. He paired us up based on height, based mm-hmm. on like it, w- what we looked like together. If it felt like a good match partnering wise. And he didn't, he made sure to go to each person on each lift and walk them through the mechanics and try it with them and like tap in and switch out. And she, he also had an assistant Beth who could also tap in or out for the female presenting in that moment. So it was nice. like, nice. It, I felt very supported and safe in that moment. But I think in general, it's a little, it can be definitely scary. And mm-hmm. um, I would feel, I would feel free and, and empowered to say, hey, I don't feel safe doing this, actually. Like, I, even if it costs me a space in the room, like, it's, it's your safety. And it's yeah. your, our body is our business. And if there was ever a moment that I felt like, mm, I'm actually okay, I'm good. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, we should feel safe and supported to say that because I mean, that's, I think a huge, a huge thing um, that should be made aware of is like, not only like the safety, you know, that's a huge component of it, but it's also like, this is our business, like you said. And it's like, I, if I have to rely on someone else and someone else has to rely on me, that's a big weight to carry in an audition setting when like, you're already at like, nerves are high and you know your your adrenaline is pumping and everything and I know that I have had auditions where I have been asked to lift people and it hasn't gone well and I've I've felt so terrible not not I would never like drop someone or you know like it didn't it didn't look incredible it was not a so you think you can dance moment right and I you know it's a bummer when you're like well fuck like this person is counting on me like regardless of if I get the job or not, like what that looks like for them. So that's, it's a hard thing. Partnering in auditions is something that like, we don't really, I think we should focus more on in, in like a learning. Yeah. Because it's like, what, like, what is it that would help everyone feel more safe? You know what I mean? Like having someone who is like a partner extraordinaire in the room to kind of give guidance and help so that it also becomes a learning moment because I think that would be a huge slay. Like that is, that is why I felt very supported in that moment. It's because Chris and his assistant did it first. Like literally did the whole lift, flip people around and was like, okay, great. Let's all try it. And like went around and made sure people were communicating openly with each other and having good support and like, like physical and also, you know, verbal support um he he just made sure that everyone was very much on the same page and i think something like that in a room would be helpful in other audition experiences um and then i guess i mean i don't know the other thing that i keep in the back of my mind is i just go i just hope that they know when something is going wrong they can see what it is that is going wrong Right, right right like I just have to trust that they know it's not me. If it is not me, right? You know, maybe it would be, but <laughs> but I'm just hoping that if it's like if it's that whoever my partner is is unable to like get underneath me at a certain point, I hope that they can see that it's not me that is not right. giving them what they need, but it's just that right. they're unable to achieve it. You know what I mean? That they can totally. see where the mechanics are off and you could just trust that they they have all of that information already. Absolutely. Well, and if if they are worth their weight Correct. in choreography knowledge, they're gonna yeah, know exactly people like Chris Bailey. They they <laughs> they have the wealth of knowledge. Yeah, they have that knowledge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um. So then, when do you you haven't started rehearsals yet, right? You, you I, start in a week. I start on Friday. Oh my god! Oh. 
I know. It's crazy. The classic it's... first day of school. Classic, classic first day of school. I believe word on the street is I haven't received an email from stage management, but the word on the street is I believe Friday and Saturday is going to be mostly for ensemble, getting a little bit of choreo out there, like big choreo, because we only have like six weeks before preview, I think. So it's kind of just get some of the language out there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then I believe Monday is our real first day of school. Work. Where, like everyone's going to be there. We're all going to be like taking pics with our hey. scripts, being like, OMG, first day of school, heart, hashtag love, you know. Yes. Um, and I'm really excited. And, and our dance captain, Gabby, sweet, sweet angel, she hosted a trivia last week that was 80s themed. And, well, 80, sorry, it was an 80s themed party with a Back to the Future trivia. And it was like an invite to the whole cast. And it was like, if you want to come, please do. But no, absolutely no drama, no tears if you don't. But she just wanted to create a space for us to like get to know each other that wasn't work, you know? Rehearsal. And I thought that yeah. was so sweet. And she was an amazing host. And I dressed up as Doc. I looked amazing. <laughs> I got this fierce jumpsuit from Target that I scribbled the radioactive sign on the back of. I thought it was very cute. Oh, incredible. And <laughs> I mean, Gabby herself is a fierce dancer who has done knickknack, paddywhack, everything. So she I'm is so excited everything. for you. This show is going to slay. And you get to you get to perform at the Winter Garden. Like, the Winter some Garden. of the most iconic Broadway shows have played. Like, it's such a huge accomplishment. And I cannot wait to see you in this show. I can't wait for everyone to see it. I think it's going to be so much fun. And I think too, that something special about joining a show like this from the very beginning. Well, I guess, you know, I mean, they had like the out of town and, and did it in London and everything, but like joining from the very beginning of the New York experience, there is the hope that with a new show like this, you will have the opportunity to do these like bucket list things like perform on the P M Macy's Thanksgiving day parade, perform at the Tony's record an original Broadway cast album, like all of these things that like, I hope you get to check off your list because. Uh, me how, too. How dreamy. I mean, man, it's definitely something that has, you know, trickled past my mind, but I'm doing my best to just stay grounded in this moment <laughs> because I mean, let's be honest, like, with everything that happens in this business, not everything, well, first of all, nothing is guaranteed, right? I mean, right. we just had to unfortunately lose dancing, which I think was a, a disgrace, you know? Like, yes, not everything absolutely. is, I mean, and even Casey Likes ha can literally speak from experience of Almost Famous, the same thing, putting a lot of, like, blood, sweat, and tears and love into something, and it just doesn't last the way that you're expecting it to last. So, right. I mean... With those things in mind and also just life in mind, I'm trying to stay as present and just right here and enjoy every moment as I can. But of course, I'm thinking about those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. How could you not? My gosh. Exactly. Amazing. Well, we need to take a break. But then when we come back from the break, I would love to hear about your choreographic and directorial endeavors. And we're back. Okay, Emma, let's <laughs> let's dive Don't right in, in because you you touched on it a little bit earlier. But um, you have had the opportunity to direct and choreograph main stage musicals not only at Wagner College but elsewhere. And I would love to hear about um, the difference for you between taking on a show as a performer in the show 
and um, taking it on, you know, as the director who is there to sort of guide the entire experience. What is that like for you? Uh, it's it's honestly really, really fun. I feel like everything is always fun. I'm like, it's fun. I'm having fun. This is it's so fun. you know what it is. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. Um, it's it makes me think about. The first thing that's coming to my mind is just like my experience at Wagner. Wagner is such like a, I, I love talking about Wagner. Um, Wagner. But, Wagner. So Wagner is a, a BA in, instead of a BFA. And a lot of mm -hmm. people sometimes feel some type of way about a BA. But for me personally, I, I thought it was an amazing way to get an education because right. you got to pick and choose the things that you wanted to, it, it's kind of like a pick your own adventure. So mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to take choreography, to take directing, to take acting for the camera and to take more, even like you have the chance to take stage management classes. I took a design and tech class. Like I felt like because of that freedom and because of that like wealth of knowledge, like all, all of these different eras, areas of knowledge, I only became more informed as a performer because I had new information from outside perspectives, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, especially in a tech world, I understand now that it's not about me from like a, not from a like, oh, I'm not important anymore perspective, but from a like safety perspective, from a lighting perspective, from a, you know, like to now know, have the knowledge of what it looks like and what it takes to put up a show in a tech side. I know as an actor that I don't have to take anything personally. I know that it is strictly business and this is, this is the way it has to go for the show to continue. Absolutely. Um, so getting the chance to direct and choreograph like, I've had the chance to do this since I was in high school, controversially. I choreographed Grease Lightning when I was a senior in high school. And Hell yeah. Okay. And so it's been nice. It's been a nice thing to like kind of do here and there throughout my performing career because it's fun to see how it evolves and how it changes. And um, uh, this, I had the, the opportunity to, to, to direct and choreograph the prom at Wagner most recently. Mm -hmm. And the person who inspired me in my choreography, controversially, is Chris Bailey and his wife, Sarah Ogilvy. Christopher Bailey! So I Come had the through chance, again. Yes, I had the chance to work with them on an industrial gig in the fall of last year. And they just inspired me so much as a choreographer in the way that they created. Like, I, as a dancer, personally hate, like, with a strong H, when choreographers come in with absolutely nothing and they're like, with let's no just choreo. play. Uh -huh. I'm like, oh, wow. That's a, that's a lot of mental load to put onto your dancers. Not yes. that they shouldn't be able to do that. Like, of course I'm, I'm there to play and I'm there to create, but when there's no plan, it, it can be a waste of a lot of mental energy in the room. Yes. It's when there's not any sense of vocabulary or, or, or direction. trajectory. Yeah. Right. Or beginning, middle and end of the number. Like it's like mm -hmm. when there's absolutely nothing to work with, I think it, it creates a lot of mental load for everyone. And then therefore becomes a stressful process and become kind of like you become more emotionally invested because it is then the dancer's work. And then when it gets cut or, you know, moved around, then people get hurt. Their feelings get hurt, which is makes sense because it is their intellectual property. You know what I right. mean? Like right. it just becomes a whole mess personally. Uh, <laughs> but working with Chris and Sarah as a dancer, they like came in with the language. They were like, we know what this looks like. What, what, what are the words? And they kind of taught us a couple of combos. And then they were like, okay, now um, 
why don't you guys do it over there? And what does it look like if you're both facing each other? But can you both do it in the same direction? Okay, I love that. And now can you hold that one for two more counts and then travel it over there so you're talking to them? And then you guys all do it together facing. The, and it was just like, it was a mm. new way to create and still be creative as a dancer without right. it feeling like there was no direction. It was just like, just try something. There was like clear guidelines that we were set within that we could play, you know? Totally. I was totally. So inspired by that because again, like I said, typically hate when there isn't like a general plan, but because they came in and gave us the support that we need, which is gave us the support that we needed, which was the language of the movement, we were able to communicate with each other as dancers. And right. we had an idea of what like the beginning, middle and end of the number was supposed to look like. It was like, okay, we start working and then we're gonna like have a flirty moment and then we're gonna send these people off. Like those are our three journeys. So okay. now we just get to kind of play in that world. And I mm -hmm. was like, God, that was so fun as a dancer to get that opportunity to create without feeling like it was my burden to carry. It was more like, this is a privilege and this is mine. And like, yeah. this is, it just made it so much more fun. And so then working on the prom, I had controversially been working a lot of these combos already, like for the past two years, because I love the prom. I love the music from the prom. Also love yes. Wedding Singer, same composer. Love yes, that music. Wedding Singer. <laughs> huge fan, huge fan. Um, I just love that music. I think it's just like begging to be danced to in the most mm -hmm. beautiful, like dramatic way. Um, and so I've been working on a lot of numbers, a lot of the combos in the, in the show already, like a lot of the last number, a lot of the opening number, a lot, like I had already had some languages, like some, some text, if you will, for mm -hmm. the numbers. And it was really fun to, to try and work and think as Chris Chris and Sarah were working. I was like, okay, now I taught it to you. Now let's kind of mess it up. Like, let's see what happens if we all do it this way. And then what if this was a ripple? And then, and it just like made the, made the numbers come alive in a totally different way. Um, cool. It was super fun. It was, it was a blast to, uh, to be inspired in that way. And again, that's a way that I would have never worked like a year ago or the yeah. year before that. It was, it's fun to see how my process changes as my experience as a performer continues to grow. And um, yeah. Definitely. And I think it's such a cool thing that the, the kids that, you know, these like young artists, these young adults get to have the experience of working with you, a person who is clearly actively working in the industry um, because it, it humanizes you to them and it, like, it shows them that like, yeah, like I went to this school and I did exactly what you're doing. And now I'm at this place in my career. And like, who's to say that that won't be you in three years. So like, no, correct. I think that's so special that you, that you do that. Um, you did mention, or you did use the, the phrase an industrial gig. And for, <laughs> for listeners who may not know what that is, would you, would you describe what that means? Absolutely. Because one thing about me is I didn't know what it was before I did it. I was like, mm -hmm. huh, what is this thing? But <laughs> it, it's basically um, an experience based that is created by a company. Uh, the one that we did, I can just use it as an example because I think mm -hmm. it's a great example, is Hermes, the fancy fashion brand. They were opening a new flagship store on Fifth Avenue and they wanted to create an experience for their you know, buyers, for their 
you know, people who fund them, like whatever, like people who are giving them cash, their customers Mm -hmm. wanted to make it an experience for them to have this big opening night. So they basically hire a bunch of dancers, a bunch of musicians and uh, an enormous creative team. And they put on this event. So this event, particularly, they created a whole musical of two people who were moving boxes from the old store into the new store. And on the way, they found love. Like, it was really cute. <laughs> it was super fun. And um, it, uh, yeah, that's, that's basically it. It's a one-night-only experience. So typically, the rehearsal process is maybe, depending on how the scale of the performance, like, that one was enormous. So the rehearsal process was two weeks. But mm-hmm. for me, I was only in one section. So really, I probably had five days of rehearsal total, mm-hmm. maybe even four. And that's including a costume fitting. That's including, um, you know, working in the space, teching the space. Um, but it's typically really, really short gigs that you get hired for. Um, it could be an event for a nonprofit. It could be um, an event for an opening of a new store or, or a brand new car or some sort of new it's, it's just an experience for a company to put on for their buyer. And to heighten that experience, they hire dancers and singers and musicians. Yeah, and Broadway creatives like Chris Bailey. Like, that's so wild that, you know, you can have your hand in mm-hmm. so many different things yeah. in I mean, and the outside writer, of the theater community. Yeah, that writer of the musical was Dave Malloy. Dave Malloy wrote all of the music for this Insane. Hermes experience. And it was right. like, I met him. Cares. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Well, switching gears a little bit, I do want to ask you because um, you are pretty open about it, and I um, I think it's really, really lovely and beautiful that you are so open about it. But I want to ask you about your um, your personal faith and your you know like self identification as a person of faith um, mm-hmm. within the theater community because I myself don't identify as as a very faithful or spiritual person, um, but I have tons of dear friends and family who who do self-identify as that and um i would just love to hear about it um your experience in the theater world because you are someone who is extremely vocal about um human rights and um you know equal rights for trans and non-binary people and people of color and Mm -hmm. um there is some some interesting intersectionality in um you know the ideas of faith and the ideas of human rights so i would love to hear your your take on that oh I think that like just hearing the word ideas kind of has like sparked me into this like tangent that I'll go into about my personal relationship with my faith is like my whole journey on faith has been one thing, but the, the biggest thing that I take away from my faith and like the journey of faith that I've been on are the ideas that I learned from studying and like reading the Bible. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I think, In my opinion, a lot of faiths, different practices of different types of faith, whether it's Christianity or Buddhism or Judaism, like the ideas that are spoken and taught in each different faith are almost identical, right? Like, exactly. It's like (laughs) at the it's it's the the text that's floating around in my head is from the prompt. You can't cherry pick the Bible and decide which things you want to, you know. And it's so true, like. I, I find that a lot of Christians specifically really harp on like the text of the Bible um, mm-hmm. and the literal sense of the text of the Bible. And in my opinion, I think that's a little crazy because the Bible, it was written by men 
Okay, mm-hmm. so let's start there. Let's start yep. about how many things can go wrong there. <laughs> Number one, problem, man. Right. <laughs> but I mean, it's just, it's a lot of, I, I mean, there's there's a lot of back and forth about, and, and we could go back and forth about it all day, but at the end of the day, it was, it's been written by men, right? So it's not actually written by God or, you know, right. whatever, um, or this all-knowing spirit, it's written by people who we know have been created to be flawed. So there's going to be flaws in the book, right? And, and as it continues to be rewritten and revised over thousands of years, honey, some things are going to be misconstrued <laughs> right. in different languages. Okay. Like, um, my, my boyfriend is Colombian and sometimes he will speak Spanish to people that we like see in the street or like if we're going into the bodega and I'll ask like what, how exactly they were speaking like what were they talking about and the way that he speaks me through the translation of spanish to english it's like even just that is so different in the way that english is created like how how it is syntaxed and and like how we create sentences is totally different from how you would actually say it totally so i mean you would be dumb not to think a lot of things were misconstrued as the bible was rewritten Right. revised and and transcribed from different languages so i think to harp so hard on the text when it comes to the bible or any religious text i think it does a lot of human beings a disservice um it doesn't surprise me though because we do tend to our egos need to latch onto something as a reality right. you mm-hmm. know like so it doesn't surprise me that people make their whole personality um abortion uh, you know, abortion is, is right. life. Like, right. Because it, it makes sense that reading... It's a tangible thing. Correct. Right. It's a very clear... It gives an answer where, like, the ambiguity of God and, like, life What is, is the meaning of life? <laughs> it's so much scarier. So it, it makes sense that so many people harp on the actual language of the Bible just mm-hmm. to hold on to, to, to give themselves... I almost said personality. That's so rude. That's not no, but it, that but it's real. That's the that's the tea. Yeah, and I think I I just I have so much respect for for you and and that perspective because I really do think that um, faith should be personal. In my opinion, I I think it like if yeah. you if if that's something that you need and you identify with, I think it should be for you and about about your personal relationship with it. And so um, I love that, like you said, like it it is literally like intrinsic to to you and your personal experience it does not have to affect the people around you or it doesn't have to take over your entire personality it's just i think you are are very um cognizant and and aware of what's going on and i love that you have that that perspective on it well because at the end of the day it's it's whatever works for you right we're all living in this life and and we don't have the answers okay sure we have this thing that we call the bible and sure some other um religions have their own replica of that or or Mm -hmm. iteration of that but at the end of the day we don't fucking know right we do not know nobody know nothing and so as long as you're faith is not hurting someone and as long as it's yours and it brings you joy and it brings you you know like peace at the end of the day then slay queen period and period. like there's it should like you're saying it shouldn't be something that's like shoved down other people's throats because and in, in what world does that work Where, i mean 
clearly it we we have seen <laughs> it's not working mama it's not working the so... gays ain't going anywhere no trans it's... people aren't going anywhere okay it's that and let's be please i could go off on a whole tangent on just like <laughs> what is what is the freaking like main theme of what all, all religion is about love each other as god has loved us okay and correct where is the love <laughs> <laughs> I'm not seeing the love and I'm going to need to see it. Thank you. And and I'm going to need to see the love, please. <laughs> Thank you. Um. Well, I have a series of musical theater rapid fire questions that I <laughs> love to ask my guests. And I want to ask them of you. Are you ready to answer these questions? I'm scared, but I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber? Sondheim. Sweatpants or jeans? Sweatpants. Do you have a favorite musical? No. Do you have a least favorite musical? No. (laughs) She said with a question mark. (laughs) Um, Would you ever like to do a Broadway play? God, yes. Fierce. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Night owl. (laughs) Catch her at Scruffy Duffy's Beach. It's 2 a.m. and I'm like, another round. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What is the craziest thing a director has ever asked you to do? Oh, man. I'm never good at these questions. Like remembering an iconic fall or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) I think probably the craziest is I did Lacage in college and they had created this like bird cage that we were dancing in and I like hung from the inside of it on my legs. Probably that was crazy. Come on, Cirque du Soleil. (laughs) It was giving Um, Cirque du Soleil, but I'm not a Cirque du Soleil performer. (laughs) (laughs) Golden age or contemporary? Ooh. uh, Oh, that's tough. I think probably contemporary. Fierce. Um, What is the favorite role you've ever played? Lola. (gasps) In Damn Yankees? Yeah. Whatever, Lola. Um, coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. What is the hardest show you've ever done? Oh, hardest. Hmm. Hardest in like, like taxing or hardest, like physically taxing or mentally? However you want to interpret it. Dare I say it's Chicago the musical? Honestly, I think it might be. That's some hard ass shit. It's some hard ass shit. Do you have a favorite costume you've ever worn? <gasps> My new costume at Chicago, that the one that they just gave me, the yes. little two piece, the sheer skirt. It's yeah. so cute. Oh my God. And we have to talk about the fact that you just did the newest promo for Chicago <laughs> on Broadway. <laughs> you have a <laughs> billboard in Times Square, bitch. Uh, J- Jake, when I tell you, it has been my mother's dream. I'm not kidding. It's been my mom's dream. And she will tell you this. I would I would call her right now if I wasn't using my phone. Her dream has always been that she wanted me to be scantily clothed on a billboard <laughs> in Times Square. I swear to God. She's like, that's what I want for you. I just know that's, I just want, that's my dream. And literally they put up the billboard yesterday. I didn't know, none of us knew when these things were coming out. We didn't know the drop date. 
unlittled and I definitely didn't know it was going in Times Square. I was just like going to be so satisfied being on a trash can, honey. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so Rachel sure texted all of us and sent us the photo. And I like ran to Times Square, called my mom and she was sweeping. It was the day after Mother's Day. She was like, this is the best Mother's Day present ever. <laughs> oh my God. I can't wait to go and see it in Times Square. You have to send a pic or else. Duh. Okay. My last question is, what is one thing that you would tell to younger Emma? Oh, younger Emma. Baby Pittman. Wait, that's so emo. <laughs> You're welcome. Mm. Well, that's the pod. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming. That says nothing. <laughs> I think that I would say, I would tell her to lean in and lean on to her community more when she felt mm -hmm. like she needed it. Because I think sometimes, at least for myself, I, I tend to put a lot of pressure on myself as a performer, as an artist. And um, whenever things don't go well or aren't going in the way that I planned, I tend to go very inward and just like keep replaying things in my head and trying to figure out what's wrong. And it's like, I wish in those moments when I was like really stressed or going through it or whatever, that I reached out to people more, right. especially when I was younger. Now I'm like, I'm texting, calling everyone. I'm like, Hey, what are you doing? I need a minute. I need to pick up some <laughs> space. Um, but I think like when I was in high school and college, I really, I didn't have a great support network. And I think that was mostly on me because I didn't reach out. I didn't mm. ask for help. I didn't ask for opinions or support. And so if I could tell her anything, it's like, Go ahead and lean on, lean on somebody, girly. Love it. You deserve it. You deserve it. Mm -hmm. Well, Emma, thank you so much for being on the pod. Thank you. Can you tell everyone um, where they can find you on socials? You have a oh. fabulous social media presence. Oh my God, please join me on social medias. My Instagram and TikTok are at Emma Pittman official. Very dramatic. You have to have the official or <laughs> Drama. <laughs> Love it. Well, Emma, you are the freaking best. I adore you. And I'm so grateful that you came on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Anytime. And I just am praying and looking forward to the time that we're on that ambassador stage. Together. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to the pod. And you can follow the show on Instagram at Oh My Pod, you guys. Also, feel free to send me emails at ompug at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Bye! Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot -E 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 org because only together we rise.